in the Japanese culture, there's something called kintsugi. It is the artistry and the art form of taking a broken piece of pottery and reassembling it. And what they do is with uh, gold or silver is they put the pottery back together. Let's go with a teacup as a visual. So this beautiful teacup is shattered and they reassemble it. And now the seams in the broken pottery are gold and silver. And that is to highlight the brokenness. It is to highlight the flaws. Hmm. It is to highlight in our vernacular, the struggle. So what's this podcast all about, this financial sobriety thing we're doing? It certainly isn't a traditional conversation about money. There's lots of great people in our industry that talk the traditional game. This is going to be a very unconventional conversation about those three unbelievably complicated relationships that when you put them all together, you don't necessarily think of them this way, but the relationship that you have with money, the relationship you have with your people that mean the most to you, and then the relationship that you have with the person in the mirror. You mean those three relationships go together? They do, and it's a very complex interrelationship between them. And when those get a little bit out of whack, interesting things happen. Do you know anything about that? We should probably introduce ourselves. Who oh, are you? good idea. Jim Gephardt. And I'm Matthew Grishman. I'm your author of the book, Financial Sobriety, and we are going to have some great conversations, so stick around. Ooh, 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 teacher, teacher, ooh. what are you grateful for? <laughs> Thanks for asking, teach. I was actually going to call you coach today, not teacher. You remember when we did that very first summer series episode at the beginning of the summer on the three C's? The three ABCs of parenting? Right, not the three ABCs, but the CCs, the C's, the three C's of parenting. The Three cop, seasons of parenting? The cop, the coach, the consultant? Yes. Today I was going to call you coach. I Boy, I've got a lot of gratitude on my list today, but I'm going to keep it very simple and very basic. I'm grateful for the work we get to do, and I'm grateful for the fact that we didn't take the summer off of it, from it. Oh, Jill, sorry about that. My mother, the grammar teacher, is not going to be happy about that. I am grateful that we did not take the summer off from doing the work we do. I'm grateful that we got in studio and we got to help our community get a greater sense of intentionality with their money and in their relationship with their children. I've got a lot of gratitude in my heart. I'm a little tired, but man, am I grateful for the effort we put in this summer. That was awesome, brother. Good work. It was. And what I, are you grateful for? I'm grateful for more of a concept on this one. I've always been attracted to things that are timeless. Mm. doesn't really matter what it is. In this context with teaching our children about money and money concepts and the, and the three critical relationships that we talk so much about here at Financial Sobriety, these are timeless concepts. I thought you were talking about quarter sips and yeah, well, Alan Edmonds shoes. That, but. that would also be part of my timeless style. Ah. But here in academia, we are going for timeless concepts that whether it is 2022 or 2032 or 2042, I suspect that a lot of these concepts are going to remain the same. Yeah. Oh, and absolutely. I am also grateful for the connection between hopefulness and resilience. And that at times when we recognize that, you know, we may be, our, our resilience is waning. We don't have the muscle. We don't have the drive. We don't have the tenacity. We don't have that endless determination that there's now something that I can do for it. And that is to renew my sense of hope. 
And for me personally, and we're like broken records on this subject, how do I renew my sense of hope? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ask me. Ask me. I got an answer. Mr. Kata? Connection. Thank you. Connection. Connection. That connection is so much a part of this. And I feel just an unbelievable sense of gratitude how we've connected with our community this summer. Sure. And as we go into, perhaps we talked a lot about how, you know, people check out in the summer. Yep. Only to check in. For me, the fall, that post-Labor Day, whew, that post-Labor Day to New Year's just feels like a sprint, like a mad dash. Yep. Where just everything just comes at me faster and faster and faster. Because we be were work, snoozing all, because generally because we were snoozing all summer. Well. Historically. Historically. Right. So to, to come into the fall, right, to come into the harvest as our farmer, I come from a thousand years of farmers. Well, that's why you guys were got standard daylight time or whatever it's called. It's Day, daylight savings time. There you go. Thank yeah, you. It's thank you. Thanks to my lineage. Yeah, there you go. As we come into fall and harvest, we have a renewed sense of gratitude, mm -hmm. right? And if there are more roadblocks that are coming, right, there's more obstacles coming because that's just how life goes. We now, not just in our relationship with money, but we've got some other tools in the tool bag sure. on what we can do. Well, do we let them all in on the secret? Do I do that right now? No. I think we do. They already did the secret. That no. was a whole DVD thing. With I'm not talking about that thing. Oh. I'm talking about our little secret. Oh, don't and tell And what, what we actually did this summer when everybody thought initially we were going to be talking about money all summer. You really want to tell them now? I think we need to tell them now. Okay. Here, here, here's the secret. Guess what we're trying to help parents do with their children this past summer? Connection. These conversations about financial sobriety that you can have with your children are all about helping parents create deeper connection with some of the people that they probably would consider the most important people in their lives, their children. As long as they don't do it through a screen. <laughs> well, and that's what the whole curriculum this summer was about was creating conversation pieces for parents to engage with their children on this very, I, I don't want to make light of it, but this very surface level conversation around money. Because it's not a hard conversation to have with your children about money. But as we go deeper into financial sobriety, into these three relationships that are all connected together, to be able to connect with our children through money and open the door for deeper conversation with our children about how they interact with their friends, their teachers, other kids in the neighborhood, and then ultimately getting even deeper to where your child feels safe enough to open up and talk about how they feel about themselves. This is where the real work starts to come in. So, yeah, we had a lot of good conversation about money, but the secret is we're just helping families have connection because hopelessness is solved through connection. And the tools that we provided over the summer, things like empathy, the questions we ask our children, the concepts we share with our children, whether we're in the cop stage, the coach stage, or the consultant stage of parenting, these well, are all the tools that are designed to help foster that connection to bring hopefulness, the most singular important skill your child can learn that's the difference between resilience and quitting, hopefulness. I'd much rather leave them a big bag of that than money. Absolutely. And that was the whole part of the curriculum. I mean, we covered a lot, right? I loved how we started with just 
where you're at. Where are you as a parent? Are you in the cop phase, meaning you have little kids and your job is to keep them from getting hurt or killing themselves, right? Or are, do you have kind of the adolescent children where they're now starting to do some things on their own and you're beginning to shift into more of a coaching role where you're advising them, giving them suggestions? Or are they older children, like your two oldest and my two, where you're really more of that consultant, where it's more about asking questions and helping them become aware of the different options they have in life by asking questions. I love how we started it with that foundational of let's meet parents where they are, because then to get into the conversation about the value of a dollar, it changes depending upon where you are as a parent. Well, and then it leads into the whole Clarity Compass exercise, which requires a wee bit of vulnerability. Right. Well, having these first couple of conversations about money is where the connection starts. Yeah. And where you potentially open yourself up in your relationship with your child to go a little bit deeper little than skin deeper. deep. Yeah. Right. Getting into muscle, getting closer to that bone. Mm. Right. Clarity Compass, that whole conversation about what's most important versus what is a priority in life versus... What is essential to me as a human being and getting really clear on that and helping your child get really clear on that so that as the allowance money is coming in, as the job money they're earning over the summer is coming in, that they are super intentional with how they allocate that money in their life to spending, saving, investing, because without that foundational work, there's no way we can get into a conversation about the best investment a child could ever make in themselves. Talk about being intentional, Whew. right? Is, is your, if you're building that intentionality muscle and you're going into the conversation around the best investment you can ever make, if you don't have a rooted conversation around money, people, self, and you start to explore some of those things around self, I mean, just think back, hearken back <laughs> to your days of youth and your unintentional spending and sure. the relationship that you had with yourself at the time and the disastrous decisions you made over and over and over again with money. Right. Money yep. money was almost a weapon of mass destruction for you. It was. Because it, it gave you the ammunition to go- Control the world. Do things that yeah. you regret. Absolutely. It, it allowed me to go out and go buy the self-esteem I wasn't able to create myself. I've always been, I've, I've been told recently that if you want to have self-esteem, you got to go out and do esteemable acts, right? And what I was using money for was a different way to create self-esteem. There was no way I could ever believe. You were going to buy it. Yeah. I couldn't believe looking in the mirror that I was the good person everybody else said I was. I was living a complete imposter syndrome way of life, chasing money to convince you I'm the greatest because I could use that money to show you that I'm the greatest by buying you whatever you could possibly want. And if you think I'm the greatest, then I have a sh I, I, I've got a possibility that I could look in the mirror that night and feel good about myself for a little bit. And what was so incredible, the disasters that came from that behavior, yet how close I was to getting it right. You told me that in 2005. Brother, if, if all we do is reverse engineer this thing, if we just flip the script, Instead of chasing money to get the girl to feel good about yourself, what if we learned how to have some unconditional acceptance of ourselves first? Are there people out there that could teach you how to do that? Teach you the actions you need to start believing that? Well, we had some hope 
that there were people out there that could do that. And you introduced me to somebody who could. And it wasn't easy. It was simple, but it wasn't easy. But as I started to nurture that relationship with self, I was able to heal that relationship with my people because ultimately what they want for me is what I wanted for myself was a way to just have unconditional acceptance where I could just love my people for who they were. They could love me for who I am and not try to fix me, change me, or have something different show up. And with both of those two firmly in place, it simplified the money conversation. So it was just a little reverse engineering of the way I was living my life for 30 years at that point. Well, it was little in the concept of flipping the script. Yes. But it wasn't little in the work that you had to do. No. God, no. And the scar tissue that you had to both heal and then ultimately let go of. Right? I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you ever heal from the scar tissue. We've had enough guests in studio talking about the concept of healing from trauma that I don't know that I will ever heal from that trauma that I caused in my own life, but I've definitely integrated that pain in a way that has made me a more resilient person going forward. My pain tolerance has gotten stronger as a result of integrating the pain that I felt and not necessarily trying to heal and get past it and forget about it and move on from it. And thank heavens for the guests we've had in studio that have validated that for me, that not trying to move past the pain, not trying to set it aside and quote unquote, heal from it, that it's actually made me a stronger person. It's made me a more resilient person and it's helped me see the best investment I ever made was in me, was using my financial resources to help me create the very best version of myself I was capable of creating. And as a result of doing that, I get to show up in the world and be helpful. And as a result of being helpful, I feel really good about my place on earth. And you know what? Sometimes being helpful gets me paid. Sometimes it doesn't. But yet the feeling, the gratitude that I have is the same. So yeah, I'd say that simplified the money conversation a little bit, but it took a lot of work to get there. In the Japanese culture, there's something called kintsugi. And if I'm mispronouncing it, for those of you that know what I'm talking about, I apologize. But it is the artistry and the art form of taking a broken piece of pottery and reassembling it. And what they do is with uh, gold or silver is they put the pottery back together. So let's, let's go with a teacup as a visual. So this, you know, beautiful teacup is shattered and they reassemble it. And now the seams in the broken pottery are gold and silver. And that is to highlight the brokenness. It is to highlight the flaws. Hmm. It is to highlight in this, in our vernacular, the struggle. And I am so attracted to this art form. What's it called again? Kint Sugi. Nice. K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. Because it's so emblematic of what you've just described, right? You take the broken, that, that's one of the things when we work with our, our clients that, let's say, have had enough life experience to sure. where they've got some, some bruises and some scars and some broken bones, is when we get into those conversations and they can share some of that, and you can now start to see how all of those bruises and, and broken bones from a life and I'm going to say it this way very intentionally, a life well-lived where it wasn't all bulldozed and protected, but that they fell down and they had scar tissue that is now, you know, part of the rich fabric of who they are. Mm -hmm. 
that's what gives me so much hope in what we're trying to do here for, sure. for, for children. Yes. Is we are not, and let me be impossible to misunderstand, we are not trying to smooth the path. No. We are not trying to remove struggle. We are not trying to over provide in a way for children so that they don't have to strive. They don't have to have heartache. They don't have to have troubled times because that has made all of us better if we can flip it around and see it that way. Yes. And what we are trying to do is simply number one, to recognize it for what it is and to accelerate their progress so that they'll have a different set of experiences they don't have to be, you know, you, you don't have to spend all the time that you spent in the self-loathing chamber sure. for mistakes. Sure. We're going to oversimplify it and call it mistakes. Right. Right. Well, and, and there are, there are mistakes that you and I have been taught are okay to make, right? I mean, physical scars we wear as a badge of honor in this world, right? Physical injury that comes with scars is, is almost something that we're proud of. We love talking about these war stories of these incredible heroic moments of survival yeah, and money, recovery. Money mistakes, not so much. Yeah, but when it comes to screwing up with your money, I mean- that, the, That's shameful. I would go oh, so far as to say it's shameful behavior. Screwing up with our money, screwing up as a parent, screwing up in a marriage, as I have done all three, were not scars that I carried with honor. They were scars I carried with a lot of shame. And what- we're trying to do here, which I think is beautiful, is eliminate the shame. Get rid of the shame. Let's talk about the mistakes that we've made because- Yeah, let's repurpose it. Yeah, I, I do believe that the mistakes you and I have made in those three departments are the reasons we're sitting here today making not only major changes and differences in our own lives, but using those experiences to help others not feel so alone in their own shame and guilt and trying to take that step forward, not to heal, but how to integrate the shame, the bad choices, the guilt that comes with it into becoming a more resilient person, into bringing more hopefulness into your life, into seeing a future that has potential and possibility. What does life look like for you? Well, brother, as, as we kind of wrap up the summer series of Teach Your Children, I just want to express to you one more time how grateful I am that we get to do this, that we get to come in here in studio and try to help any parent out there today who's had any kind of struggle with money themselves, not sure how to engage the conversation about money with their children, any kind of lack of confidence that exists in that space to be able to be game changers and difference makers in that place is something I'm so grateful that you and I get to do. This yeah. was a lot of fun this summer, this, brother. This was a lot of fun when we checked in. Yes. Yes, thank and, you for checking in. And I'm going to thank you for being a hot mess with money. Because <laughs> we wouldn't be here otherwise. You're freaking welcome. Right? <laughs> if you had been a perfect person when it came to dealing with money and living life and doing all those things, you wouldn't have written the book. You wouldn't, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have the words financial sobriety in our lexicon today. No. We wouldn't have nearly three years of content and may I go so far as to say legacy on these concepts that hopefully if you're listening and you've been impacted by this, you know, share it with, share it with friends, share it with family. Timeless tools to help you always become more and more intentional with how you use your financial resources, especially as it relates to your most special people doing your favorite things in your favorite places. 
to become more intentional with that each and every day. That's the legacy and the gift you and I get to leave. And with that, that is a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.